You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is season 10, episode 5. Rachel Marie Kong is a New York native, born and raised just outside New York City. She is an author, poet, and founder of the Fallow House online creative community. Her writing has been featured in Christianity Today, Proverbs 31 Ministries, and Encourage. A mixed woman of African American, Native American, Ramapo Lenape Nation, Irish, and Dutch descent, she is a graduate of Alliance College with a Bachelor of Arts in English with creative writing and a minor in Bible. In this episode, Rachel and I discuss her book, Let There Be Art, The Pleasure and Purpose of Unleashing the Creativity Within You. In keeping with our season 10 theme of restoration for the heart of the artist, Rachel and I discuss what it's like to create in the space between life and death, joy and grief, and how creativity can serve as a bridge between the two poles. I'm thrilled to announce as well that Rachel will be one of our panel judges for the upcoming third annual Bright Wings Poetry Contest, hosted by Makers and Mystics in partnership with Ecstasis Magazine. Be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter and follow us on Instagram for more details on how to enter the contest. Thank you for listening. This is my conversation with author Rachel Marie Kong. Rachel, it's so good to have you on the Makers and Mystics podcast today. Thank you for joining me. I'm glad to be here, my friend. Absolutely. I've got a fellow North Carolina resident representing here in the South, the Southland of the great poets. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to talk to you about your new book, Let There Be Art, about writing and poetry and whatever we want to get into. So thanks again. I'm, I'm excited to have you. Yeah, it's going to be good. This is going to be good. Well, this book has been a long time in the making, and I know you've carried this one for a while, and I'd love to know what compelled you to write this book. Why was this book important for you to spend so much time and energy bringing forth in the world? Sure. I love this question, and I, I feel like I have to answer it with a preface and by saying, this is actually not the book that I originally set out to write. This wasn't in, my, in, my, in the horizon at all. You know, About, I guess you could say 10 years ago, I started on this book writing journey. And at the time, the book that was in my heart and in my mind was more like a memoir and telling my story of growing up with a brother who has profound special needs. And so that's kind of the direction that I wanted to go originally. And it wasn't until 2018, um, and I've definitely shared this story in other spaces before, but it wasn't until I, I had my son, my first son, and within 10 days of having my son giving life, right? Giving birth to this new life. I got the news that my, you know, someone in my family had passed away and that this was, it wasn't just your average, like, you know, phone call. It was, you know, 
this was a suicide. And so here I am, I just gave birth to this beautiful baby boy. I'm cradling life, new life in my hands. And then I'm, I'm thrust into the season of simultaneously also holding death, right? And, um, and holding grief. And it was in that season that I, I sensed and felt this urgency like never before to do something with my life and to do something therefore with my words, this, this passion, this supposed gifting that I had, right? To take this and to really make the most out of it because truly you don't know whose life it can save, right? You don't know, you don't know the impact, right? And so I was just really hit with that, that sense of urgency in that season. And so I said, okay, oh my gosh, like what is directly in front of me? Who is directly in front of me? Um, who can I write to? Who can I serve? And at the time I really kind of, that was just like the beginning of like, I really do, like I've known for a while that writing has a, has a place in my life, but now I think for real, like I want to do something with that. And so with that just kind of came this, this natural evolution of realizing what art and writing and creativity had done in my life and then wanting to um, be a part of that extension in other people's lives. And so from that, I thought, wouldn't a book geared towards writers, wouldn't that be something meaningful and impactful, you know, something that touched my life so deeply to be able to write on that and share that. So from there, this, you know, let there be art, it kind of evolved and took its various many shapes and forms and and became the book that it is today. Such an amazing, intense experience. And it really dovetails right in with so much that we're talking about this season on the podcast, because one, we're talking a lot about restoration for the heart of the artist, but part of that is how the artist inhabits the space between polarities and how we often find ourselves in the center of extremities, you know, whether it's in culture or whether it's just in life, you know, we find ourselves in the space between. And, and here you are literally in the space between birth and death. And it seems like from what you were saying that really impacted your creative process, I'd, I'd love to know how being in the middle of life and death impacted you creatively and spiritually? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like, gosh, it's almost like a car accident, right? Where you are just on your way and you have no um, awareness of any kind of impending danger, you know, because you it hasn't happened yet. You are, you're just on your way. And so you're kind of caught up in the moment and, and that's how it felt, you know, having my son and holding him. I, I remember to the day we, my husband and I, we were doing our own photo shoot of our, of our son's newborn photos, you know? And so we are raptured completely by this new life and basking in the reality of God's love, right? Because when you have a child, it's like you can believe in God and you can believe in God's love. But then 
when you experience, you know, a child, whether by foster or you give birth to that child, however it is, when they become yours, they are entrusted into your care and you are just so overwhelmed by like, you thought you knew God's love. Like we thought we knew God's love and the sense of protection that comes over you as a parent and your just love for them. Well, then we got the call, you know, right there in the middle of this photo shoot, we got the call that my, my cousin, that he was dead and that he had killed himself. Grief, shock, heartbreak, confusion, chaos, guilt, worry, fear, and, and all of its cousins and, you know, ancestors, the whole tribe, um, all of those emotions came over me. And, um, and then in the weeks to come, just this haunting reality of like, what if, right? What if, what if, what if? And so I think from that place of really that question of like, what if, what if he knew that we loved him just a little bit more? What if he got a call, you know, that day? Like, what if this happened? What if, you know, there was a card in the mail and that card changed his perspective or changed his day? Or, or what if when some of us had inklings or questions or wonderings, what if we followed that? What if we asked better questions, right? And so I think from that, I don't know, just those questions that haunted, I guess it became a place of like, maybe we don't have to sit in the questions and the what ifs. Like, what if we start now? Like, what if I start pouring out my heart now more and writing specifically to the people that feel broken, that feel like life has been turned upside down, that feel hopeless, right? That need a light for their darkness. And I will say to you, I think in that particular moment, and maybe you'll appreciate this, but I've always been kind of drawn to like the dark side of things, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's like, as a believer in certain believing spaces, it's almost as if we're not supposed to go to dark places or like touch dark things, right? Mm -hmm. And so for so long in my life, I've kind of carried this thought of like, oh my gosh, like that dark thought or that dark question that I have, like, don't go there, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I really do think that that kind, this kind of particular season, you know, where I was holding life and death and, you know, both of my hands together, I think I just felt and sensed and accepted the permission to like go to that dark place and to kind of be a dweller there, you know, a person that is willing to stand in those dark feelings, dark questions, dark realities, and raise questions and also raise truth as a light. And, and that's what this book does. Like the whole premise of this book is, yes, let's create art. Let's partake of it. Let's, let's experience it for the sake of, you know, experiencing light in our lives and also bringing that into the world, you know? It's such a strange thing to hold both joy and grief simultaneously. But I think just as your experience showcases, 
a lot of us do that. And I think even over the past couple of years for many of us, we've had these experiences of, of holding both joy and grief at the same time. Mm -hmm. And the process of art making tends to be one of the ways through it. And I was just recently talking with Kathy Lorzell here on the show about how sometimes in faith communities, it can be challenging to embrace the full spectrum of human emotion in all of its beauty and tragedy that it is, that uh, sometimes there can be a discomfort with some of the darker places, but yet the scriptures themselves, I think of Psalm 88, which ends with, darkness is my only friend. <laughs> you know, there are these examples from uh, the scriptures that we consider the holy scriptures, but yet they, they don't shy away from walking through the full spectrum of human emotion. Yeah. But I think the beauty of it is that it's it's all contained in a framework of hope. Yeah. It's all contained in moving through as opposed to setting up camp. Yeah. Even if it's a slow pace, you know, but how would you say that your writing played a part in your moving through some of that difficulty or how, how did your writing help you hold space when you were holding both joy and grief at the same time? Yeah, I, I think just being able to name things is so mm -hmm. key, right? And so I just, I just remember, and these are not even really out there anymore because I had a change in my website and my domain, and but I have them in my my own personal archives. But um, I just remember like beginning to write about death, this thing that for my whole life I have been afraid of. I have put like walls around any kind of expression of grief or death and really only allowed myself to experience it in the form of fear, you know, and, and just even now I can think of, I was just such a young girl and lost a few family members, but I have such stark memories of like being at funerals and, and just experiencing fear and, and confusion and loss, sense of loss, but without hope, right? So I think that for the first time, I, I was able to name things and write things. And so I have a few blog posts that I had put out at the time where I wrote using the word death. Like I remember writing about, you know, I went to a blood drive to give blood. And, um, and that made me emotional because I thought about, you know, my cousin's life and like the idea of blood and how it gives life and like how you're giving life to someone when you donate blood. And, and so that whole moment was just super emotional for me. And I just remember going back and going back home and, and writing about that and naming it and, and, and writing about blood and writing about life and, and, you know, expressing my grief that all this time, you know, all through my life, it's, it's like, I never quite knew what to do with that. And so from there, um, I had a couple of other pieces that, that I've explored, you know, this topic, the same topic. And, and I will just say not too recently, I wrote a piece with an online community that I'm a part of encourage a, a, a virtual day spring community. And I wrote this piece about death 
and it's it's entitled when death heals your fear of death mm-hmm. and in this particular case i wrote it about my grandfather who had recently just passed away you know this past year um from covid and i wrote about how his death he was a believer and he is someone like i he's the one where like I wouldn't be where I was at where I am now if it wasn't for my grandfather. Mm-hmm. He's the one that brought me to church. He's the one that sang the old time hymns with me in the car, yapping his mouth, conversations with strangers, like the whole nine yards, right? Like he he <laughs> was the Bible on display for me. <laughs> and so to see this man, this beautiful man with a beautiful soul, to 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 see him pass and to say goodbye. But then to know the hope on the other side mm. of his passing, that was so healing for me, you know? And so then being able to write about that, holding that grief, but then also finally able to hold that joy and to see the hope on the other side of that. Do you have that piece about death with you? Would you like to read a part of it? Yeah, you know what? I actually would love to. It's, there's a part of it that's in my book actually as well in my chapter entitled, Let There Be Remembrance. So I would love to read that if you will have me. I'd love that. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. This is from chapter 14 from Let There Be Art. This chapter is called, Let There Be Remembrance. This is the part where I rip my heart wide open invite you deep into the farthest corner, sit you down and tell you about how we lost him to COVID-19, lost him because his body was broken and it was time to let it lay in rest, lost him because his lungs could no longer pump breath to the blood beneath his beautiful bronze skin, how we lost his body but not his burning love, that kind of love that brought him with bags of groceries to the back doors of our homes. On Zoom, I will begin with his silver hair and the way it dazzled and shone and the freckles on his face and how I could not have counted them all, even if I tried. There were his tinkering hands and how they were always fixing, always finding cars to repair or doorknobs to replace, hands that took to the handle of a shed that never held enough tools, hands that softly touched the backs of us, every one of us as he whispered prayer and blessing into thin air. I will tell you about that broad nose, the telltale sign of a black man and the furrow of his brow bent with native pride. And I will never forget those lips and how they burned with 1000 bedtime stories about first homes and the cost of bread, about life growing up and knowing God, and about the many men and women he met along the way. I will tell you how I miss him and how his death left a hole right there in the middle of my heart, but I am becoming okay, coming to peace because I am coming to remembrance. I am coming to find the trail of tales he left with a legacy that will long outlast his breath, so much so that it feels like he is still here with me, with all of us. 
I watched the viewing as the wobbly camera captured my family speaking words of remembrance and sprinkling flowers atop my grandfather's grave. I watched the snow on the burial grounds glisten as it lit up under the sun, reflecting right on through my computer screen. I could almost feel the chill of New York's bitter air as much as I felt the warm tears rolling down my cheeks, crying muted into the camera. The tears came because there was sorrow, but the tears also came because there was hope. As I sat there, cradling life in one hand and death in the other, I listened to the story of my grandfather's last moments, how he pointed to the ceiling of that hospital room and motioned to his three children that he was ready to be home, really home. While I watched, I did not feel a sting or a burning anger or that raging need to know of why and how. I did not see a body swallowed up by dirt and death. Instead, I saw hope rise as I reflected on the life of a man who had lived a life of love, a man who lived a good story a man who told good stories. I might just need to sit with that for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. How does that feel reading and reflecting back on that now from where you are in this moment? It just rings true. It rings true of his life. It rings true of his legacy in my life and in my family's lives, family's life. And it rings true for all of us, like the legacy that, that we are all living out right this very moment, right? And here's this man, you know, later on in that chapter, I, I say, I did not know then how his stories were undoubtedly the most annoying thing to endure. And yet the most anointed thing, like when I tell you he spoke so much that, I mean, he talked, he had the gift of gab. That's what we say about him in our family. Like that man could spin a sentence with anyone. But when I look back now, I'm like, he was a storyteller. He was a beautiful storyteller, and he used that as a way to connect with others and ultimately to connect them with the love of God. And if he, this storyteller that just tells stories in Walmart and Target and the gas station, for goodness sakes, like, if he could do it, then what does that say about the rest of us and the ways that, Mm -hmm. the many ways that we belittle the stories we tell our children or the stories we tell people that we meet in grocery lines or on the plane going somewhere on a trip and and we're talking to the person sitting next to us and we think that moment doesn't matter, but it means so much in the eyes of eternity, right? And so when I read that, thankfully without tears, because last week that was not the case, I was tearing up, but it just rings true. Mm-hmm. You know, art enables us to embody our experiences in a way that we we miss sometimes when we are in the middle of living them. Art enables us to capture the moments that 
seem so fleeting until we pause and we stop in that space between and we reflect or we remember as you're talking about from your chapter. And it's almost like the act of remembrance enables us or propels us rather forward into the future Mm. with a new understanding, with a gift and a legacy that we bring with us from the storytellers of our past, you know? And I've said before that we all become words. Mm. You know, we all become stories. Mm -hmm. What are the stories that we are becoming? Mm. And we all really do live our lives in between the past and the future, (laughs) and we call it the present. And, uh, you know, I, I like that play on words, pun intended, you know, the present is a present, it is the gift of the moment. And I think that that's one way that our art can enable us to heal through the painful experiences, especially art that's rooted in the spirit, art that's that's rooted in, in an intentional expression of our spirituality or of our faith, that art enables us to take not only our own lives, but you just took me along with you in that journey and my imagination awakened and I saw the room and I, and I saw your grandfather, I saw him looking up at the ceiling. I could, I could feel the story taking on a new life. And uh, I think that's beautiful. And so thank you for, for sharing that with me and with the Makers and Mystics community. But um, yeah, art enables us to embody an exalted perspective on moments that we would otherwise Overlook. That's what that was speaking to me. That's so good. Thank you, friend. Yeah. Well, listen, one question that I want to ask you about is really simple. And in some ways, maybe we've covered it already, but I'd love to revisit it. One of the reasons that you wrote this book is because creativity matters to you. And you believe that creativity matters to our broken world. And, and you've shared you know, some really painful experiences with death as well as some joyous experiences with birth and motherhood and all of the beauty and chaos that comes from parenting. <laughs> you know, but why does creativity matter in our broken world? Yeah, that's, a, that's such a great question. And I think it's, one we should always ask, always, you know? I think the questions that we tend to ask when it comes to creativity is, am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to call myself a writer? Am I allowed to call myself creative, call myself an artist? Um, Can I do this even though I don't have an MFA? You know, like, can I do this even though, you know, my job, I'm a lawyer or I'm a doctor, right? And I love this question. Why, you know, reframing it and saying, well, why does creativity matter for the reality of our broken world? If we think of it that way, then how, how do we say that, that it matters, right? And so if we know that writing poems or reading poems, if we know that painting or looking at paintings, if we know that listening to music or writing music is healing to our own souls, right? It brings release and it brings relief, right? A lot of us would be willing to admit that and say, yes, when I listen to, you know, fill in the blank, my favorite artist, 
I feel at peace. So if we know that, and if we take that as true, right? And if we can believe that for that moment or in that season or in the lifespan of our existence that we are coming alive or we are becoming better or that we are experiencing exhale or that we are experiencing light or that we are being healed or we are being found or we are naming good things and we are um, walking away from the not so good things, right? If we could say that art does this for us, then here's how that helps a broken world in two ways, two parts. Okay. So the first is just you, just that one person, just the listener listening to this podcast episode right now. It matters to the people that love you and to your heavenly father that your soul is being made whole. It matters. If not for anything else but that, then yes, that matters. All right. So hear that. And then bonus, like this is, yeah, you know what? This isn't even part two. This is like bonus material. Okay. If, if by and through that, you can kind of shine that light on other people mm-hmm. and however that looks, if that looks like you now are writing books to help others, or you are inviting someone to read the same book that that touched your life. You didn't necessarily write it, but you're inviting someone to partake of the art of another person that changed your life. Well, now that's two people that are coming to wholeness, discovering their identity, realizing that they are loved, realizing that they are beloved, all, all of these things. And so if we do that for one person and we do that for another person, then another person can admit that and embrace it. And then suddenly you've got a whole friend group, right? And then that friend group impacts a church or a community, virtual or in person. And then that community impacts other spaces that you know, it rubs shoulders with, and then you, then you're talking state now. Okay. From state to country, to continent, to the world. And uh, yeah. Okay. I oversimplified it, right. It's not going to spread that fast and that far, but what if we believed like it does do that? Right. And if, what if we lived in such a way and it kind of reminds me of, don't quote me on this because I wasn't prepared to share this. And so I can't say exactly where it's from, but I'm pretty sure it's from Matthew, but like you are a city on a hill, right? And your light cannot be hidden, right? And I just remember, I'll give credit. I heard this from, I want to say it was Timothy Keller. It had to have been where he was kind of breaking down that verse and saying like, you are a city on a hill. And, and, and like, think about that really, like the idea of like, what consists of a city? Well, it's multiple dwellings. It's not just one, right? So it's not just like you, just your house or your body or your person, like you're a city on a hill. So there are many different windows, like New York City. I'm a New York girl, I'm born and raised in New York, right? So think like you're taking a flight over New York City, a late night flight, and you see all the windows that are just shining and shimmering in the light. And so if we believe that about creativity, that it just one by one by one, we are being lit up and suddenly we are a city on a hill 
and we cannot be contained. That light cannot be contained. And that is repairing a broken world, shining the light and the truth of God and his love for us. And the fact that any beauty that we see is because of who he is and we can attribute him and we can praise him. We can give him adoration. We can come to him. We can confess to him all the things, all the things, my friend. So, um, come on. yeah, I mean, it sounds oversimplified, but when you are ex- experiencing that yourself, and then even beautifully, like when you experience that within community, you really do begin to see how the world is being changed and touched, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Like, that's, I love how our story began our friendship, you know? And like when you and I met for the first time, <laughs> I was like, I'm so glad I have another brother to experience like creativity and art with because then you get to witness it in someone else's life and it, it becomes all the more true, you know? All the more true. Yes. So, absolutely. So good. So good. I was thinking recently, I've been reading this book called The Reenchantment of the Earth. Mm. And in it, she begins to talk about how what defines a person is not just the individual person, but the web of relationships that flow in that person's life. And I begin to think as well, how the Trinity, God himself, is a web of relationships, you know? And again, we're talking about the space between and the artist inhabiting the space between. In her book, uh, Ilya Delio is, is the author who wrote Reenchanting the Earth. And she talked about how it was divine love, that creative love that flowed between the different people. And I started, when you're talking about community and art making, I'm like, how beautiful is that? that whether we're facing death or we're facing grief, that when we go through this process and allow it to become that city on a hill, allow it to shine out from that dark place, it really can become a light that just goes from place to place. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, but, um, I'm seeing it, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanna read one passage from your book that It's one of my favorite paragraphs or favorite sections in the book. And it just says this, you said, this art can be anything good that comes from our hands. And you're you're talking about Madeline Engel. You said, Madeline Engel writes that there really is no such thing as good or bad art. There's only good religion or bad religion, both of which influence the nature of the art. And here's the line I wanted to say. You said, there is only creativity that lends itself to recreating chaos, or there is creativity that lends itself to bringing order and redemption in the world. I love that line, whether we're recreating chaos or bringing order and redemption in the world. And um, down below you said, any and all art that helps, heals, names, entertains, redeems is good. So Rachel, first of all, I wanna say thank you for being you. I wanna say thank you for taking this journey. I wanna say thank you for turning your own grief and difficulty into something of beauty. And I wanna say thank you for writing this book 
because we need this. And so I'm, I'm so excited to, to be one of many voices, hopefully championing this work that you've put some blood, sweat, and tears in. And as we close up this episode, tell the Makers and Mystics community where we can find you, where we can connect with you, and how we can get a hold of Let There Be Art. Absolutely. Well, first off, I'll just say thank you for your support. And I'm just so glad that we get to do this together. Like it feels like just being able to kind of run side by side, say the same things, be on that same team and shout that same message. So it gives me so much joy. That's right. You, anyone out there can find me at my website, which would be rachelmariekong.com. I also love hanging out on Instagram, so find me there, Rachel Marie Kong, um, and you'll find all the different things I'm up to and whatnot through there. And then Let There Be Art is available anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Target, Walmart, you can get it anywhere. And uh, if you stay connected and, and follow along closely, you might hear um, some news about supporting a local bookstore and getting some signed copies. So stay tuned for that. (laughs) Yes, very good. And we'll be sure to put links to you in the show notes of this episode. And also, I want our patrons to know that we have a special little segment that we recorded earlier this oh, year yeah. when we got to hang out <laughs> of us uh, good stuff. sitting around. <laughs> that's right, the good stuff. Sitting around uh, my kitchen table, sharing books and talking about which books have impacted us. And so there will be a video in our Patreon of us chilling and sharing some poetry and other books that have impacted us. So if you're a patron or if you want to be a patron, you can just go to patreon.com slash makers and mystics and you can see the real deal. (laughs) This is the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Rachel, thank you so much for being with me on Makers and Mystics. I'm a huge fan and uh, your work has really had an impact on me and I look forward to seeing where it goes from here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This episode was produced by me, Stephen Roach, with music by Sean Williams. If you'd like to support the production of the podcast and help further our mission of building bridges between art, faith, and culture, I want to encourage you to visit patreon.com slash makersandmystics and choose any level of patronage. For as little as $1 per month, you can enjoy exclusive content and bonus episodes. For $10 a month, you can participate in our bi-monthly book clubs. And then if you really want to roll deep, you can join at $100 per month and receive creative coaching from me personally. Thanks so much for listening and supporting the podcast. We'll see you again next week with a special conversation with poet Malcolm Geit. In the meantime, keep creating. The world needs your art. Thank you.